Hey, everyone. Welcome to today's show. And you may hear in my voice, I don't have that like woohoo energy coming your way because the conversation we're going to talk about today is something that I've been doing a lot of research around and it's it's honestly horrific. And I wanted to share this incredible inspirational woman with you so that it brings more awareness on topics that perhaps you don't know a lot about, perhaps you do, but when you hear her story, her journey, it's like, if if this does not inspire you to want to be everything to everyone, to love up your family, to love up yourself, I don't know what is. So today on my show, I have Sarah M. She's a survivor of mass genocide in Cambodia the event that claimed almost 2 million lives. She now is an inspirational speaker. She's an award-winning author of the book, How I Survived the Killing Fields. You're listening to The Relaunch Podcast, and I'm your host, Hilary DeCesar, best-selling author, speaker, and transformational coach widely recognized in the worlds of neuropsychology and business launches, which cultivated the one and only 3HQ method, helping midlife women, yep, that's me too, rebuild a life of purpose, possibility, and inspiring business ventures. Each week, we'll be diving into the stories that brought upon the most inspirational relaunches while sharing the methods and the secrets that they learned along the way so that you too can have not just an ordinary relaunch, but an extraordinary relaunch. Sarah, thank you for being here today. Thank you for being willing to be vulnerable, sharing this this story that I know is so emotionally triggered with you. So welcome. Welcome to the relaunch. Thank you, Hillary, for having me on your show. I'm looking forward to our conversation. You know what? Again, the first time that we had the chance to talk and you started to share your journey, your relaunch, it, I, I just, I, it took me back to, through your words and your stories, it took me to your place. It took me as if I was a passenger along for the ride. And I got to tell you, even right now, I just got chills thinking about your story, but Sarah, why don't we start? Why don't we start at the moment that this was all going down, like this massive relaunches that's happening? Why did it start? What was really going on in your world? And bring us, bring us to that place. Okay, so um, I am going to share with you my journey, my story. Uh, I grew up in Cambodia. And I was loved and secure. I was a firstborn child. And my parents loved me so much. And they don't want me to become a farmer. They, they know that farming is hard work. So they encouraged me to get higher education. So that's what I have. I, I keep in mind, I say, okay, higher education. So as soon as I graduate from high school, I went on to college. <laughs> so, that is awesome awesome and you graduated from western connecticut state university <laughs> yeah yeah so uh yeah that's uh that's that's my 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 achievement because my family just put in my mind that that's the way to go honey you keep going <laughs> so um now do you want me to go back to Cambodia or just I you know what I do. I want you to tell us what was going on in your life when the genocide began to happen and and share with us share with us that experience of what was happening around you and to you. Sure. Yes. So now I was in college in the capital city 
which is about 350 miles away from my hometown. That means I was far away from my family. And in Cambodia, family means everything to us. <laughs> so when I'm, I'm far away, it seems like the fish out of the water. And <laughs> <laughs> but in pursuit of higher education, you know, I don't mind. But during that time that I'm away from everybody, something really bad happened to Cambodia. That's when the communist Khmer Rouge took over our country. They came in in the military style with tank, truck, big weapon and soldier marching in the capital city. And that was the day that we, uh, the whole city was shut down to celebrate New Year. Hmm. And everything was already shut down for them, make it make their entrance a lot easier. And I was hiding in the empty school building to protect myself from the gun, from the, the, the bomb and everything. But when they came in, we thought that it's going to be peaceful. No more. So Sarah, Sarah, so I'm clear on this. Are you in, I mean, it, you went to Western Connecticut State University. Are you in the States or are you in Cambodia? Are you, how did that all happen? Well, the, the Western Connecticut state, it happened later, like 30 years. I see. Okay. So you were going to a college that was far away from your, from your house in, or your home in Cambodia, but it was still in the general area. Yeah. In Cambodia. Okay. Got it. That makes more sense. Cause I'm like, I just, I just told everyone you went there and I'm like, okay, we want to make sure we understand. So you know, that this, that this is coming in the military are coming in. And so at that point, do you go back to your family? I cannot go back because everything was shut down, including the transportation. Mm. And I couldn't call home either because back then there was no cell phone and the post office was shut down. Everything was shut down. That means everything. There, there is no bank, no government office, no school, no hospital, no marketplace. So we cannot go out and buy anything. We were just completely empty-handed. Whatever we have in the house, that's it. And they pursue to evacuate the whole city, evacuation the capital city. <laughs> I mean, hundreds of thousands of people live there and they don't want anybody to stay in the house. So I was evacuated. So did they come by your house and did they pound on the door? Did they, how did they tell you it's time to evacuate? They came door to door. There's a lot of, a, a lot of soldiers came door to door and um, pointing the gun at us to leave, leave right away, hurry. And so what did you grab as you were leaving? A few clothes and a little bit of food. And so at that point, you're, you're leaving your home. You're not, you're not with your family. Are you with friends from school? Who are you with at this point? At that point, I was with my uncle. Um, he lived in the suburb, but I I went to his house just before it happened. And then he he brought us, the whole family, back to the city to find a hiding place. So I was hiding with my uncle and his family. And when you're saying you're hiding, so you were hiding from the bombing that was mm-hmm. going on, trying to... Yeah. You know, so you're, you're in your house, and how long were you hiding? Well, only a, a few days, two or three days. Okay, so for a few days, you're just, you're in lockdown. You're just, you're really trying to, you can't go outside because you're here. Are you here? What do you, what's going on around you? Like, like gunshot, like, um, you know, like bomb, but it's not really a big bomb, more like a, hmm grenade or automatic weapon firing here and there. Mm. So we don't know what uh, what is coming our way. 
So we're just hiding because in the strong building, it, we hope that it will protect us from the gunshot. And so you can't listen to, there's no TV, there's no radio. You're, you're really, you don't have any connection. You don't have a clue of what's going on. That's correct. Uh, how, how scary is that? And so can you tell us what, what started this? I mean, what was going on in Cambodia that this bombing and this takeover was even occurring? What's going on? Well, there was a revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, the communist Khmer Rouge, they are um, rebelling against the current government. Mm-hmm. They accuse that the current government are too corrupt. They, they do not want any more corruption and they want everything new, the new system, the new, that's a communist system. And they, they, hmm, they promote their propaganda, promote their message of equality. They say that, you know, communism is, is equality. There will be no more very rich, very poor people, no more corruption. I see. Uh-huh. Got it. So before this bombing started to occur, were you concerned about your safety, your family? Well, not, not, uh, not at all before. Before that day, a few days, the, the sound of the gunfight and so on, it's so far away. I, I didn't think that they would come and take over the city. That's why mm. I went to college. If, not, if, if I expect that they will take over, I would never leave my family to go to the school far away mm. from home. So Sarah, you're, you're in this, this world of your hearing bombing. Had you, you said that um, you were 21 years old when this was, when this is happening, had you experienced anything like this before in your life? No, not, not anything like this. Not at all. So Cambodia was a peaceful place before this all started to happen. Yes. Yes. And you had gone off to college because you're thinking everything is just fine. I just, I'm going to go get my, my degree and you're proud of yourself. Your family's proud of you. And now you're sitting there, you're hearing, you know, let's go back to that time where you're about to leave the house. You're packing up a small bit of clothing, some food, and it's just you and your uncle, or are there other family members? Me, my uncle, and his wife, and two toddlers. Two toddlers. How old were the kids? The kid, I think the older one is three years old, and the younger one is maybe one. Oh, my gosh. So you're with a one and a three-year-old, and then your, your aunt, your uncle, and yourself. And so you walk outside, and the soldiers are there. What happens? The soldier just keep pushing, pointing the gun at all of us to keep going, going away from the city. So, Sarah, where where were you going? Where did you what were what was going through your your head at that point? I did not know where to go because the the street was so crowded. Everybody mm. was coming to the street. So thousands and thousands of people are piling up on the street. But my, my aunt-in-law used to live in the village along the river. So she, she was thinking to bring, the whole, to bring us to her hometown. So that means we are going to walk on the street along the river and hopefully we'll get there. So that's what we did. We, so we before walked. we before we keep going with that, you she now has a plan. She's saying with this one and three year old, we're going to walk to my you know this town that I lived in. And what were there? Gun, were you hearing gunshots still? Were you hearing the bombings? What was happening around you? 
the gun uh, the the gunshot kind of uh, slow down mm -hmm. so yeah as soon as they walk they match into the city the the gun sound kind of subside it's not as intense as before but they they yell at us that keep going if if not the bomb will drop so at this point you know you can't go back that's not an option you have to go That's forward right. and the best plan is to go to this the, this village this place this place you've never been how far did you have to walk oh i i don't know how how far but well more than 100 miles more than 100 miles and it, was there a point where you didn't have any food there was no food left food a little bit in in a bag that we we have in our little little bag but 100 miles and you've got you know you've got four people that must have been really hard to figure out like you know uh, how do you how are you dividing the food up was there any food along the way that you could buy or find we have some raw rice, some raw rice that we pack. And we have a little can, a little, a little small pot, so we can make fire and to cook the, the rice. And we have some dry food, dry meat, and that's all we have. Um, there is no restaurant or no supermarket that we can buy anything. And at this point, are there other refugees along the way? Are there people? Yeah, there other people just like us. Just trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. Oh. Well, Sarah, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear about the next part of this journey, the next part of the genocide, losing these 2 million people that are your countrymen and also how you then got into deciding now's the time that you want to explore this and write the book. So I'm so excited to come back and hear more about your journey. This episode is brought to you by my very own Labor of Love, my most recent book, Relaunch. This book is a collection of my stories, other stories, and is a motivational guide to living a new 3HQ lifestyle, sparking your heart to ignite your life. It's available for purchase via Amazon. Get ready to try on the 3HQ method that I've been using for years throughout my entire life, reaching the next level in all areas, both professionally and personally. Get your copy today at www.therelaunchbook.com. Hey everyone, welcome back. I am with Sarah and she's a survivor of the mass genocide in Cambodia. This event claimed 2 million lives and we're hearing her journey from being pushed out of their home, walking 100 miles towards a village that she had never been in with a knapsack that had some clothes and some food. And this is really, you know, uh, just a, a heart-wrenching story from the, the fear factor of what you must have been going through, Sarah. Take us back to this 100-mile walk that you were doing with two small toddlers, your aunt and uncle's children, the one and three-year-old, uh, you know, I mean, what was, what was happening? Give us um, some insight into your disposition and, and what was going on in your head. Uh, while we were walking, all I thought about was my family, what happened to them? And I want to be with them because I remember my mom was just recovered from four years of paralysis when I was the caregiver. And as soon as she got well again, she was able to walk again, I went off to college. So that's why my, my mind was thinking about- Because mm, you're thinking your mom was paralyzed for four years. She finally started walking again, but she wasn't a strong walker. 
Right, right. So that's all I was thinking about, and I was crying. I wish I was there with her. So you had the guilt of being like, here I am. I'm not with my family. You said that you were the oldest. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember you saying that you had three brothers. They were there. And as you're continuing to walk, is this the opposite direction of where your family home was and your mom and your brothers? Yeah. Oh, so you're going in the opposite direction. You're, you have, you know, some rice, you have some food, but not a lot. And you've got, do you have any indication at this point of this massive killing that is happening in your country? I have no idea, but um, uh, I, I did not know what to, what to expect. And I would just go follow the crowd and follow the flow. And I have no suspicion about the killing. But my uncle, who is in the military, he is, he is a soldier. And I saw him hiding, throw away all his military clothes, whatever he tried to strip away from getting known that he is in the military. Um, he know he know how to protect himself. That's why he he changed his clothes and he want to disconnect from association with a previous soldier. But for me, I was so so naive. So that that's incredible. So he knows that he is putting himself in harm's way if he has these clothing on him or in you know in his knapsack. And he needs to make sure that he's, you know, getting rid of those. What's happening and the reason that this genocide, you know, and a genocide as as what I understand is when um, the government just starts to decimate the people that they believe are not going to um, kind of be on the same with the same beliefs and values that they have. Is that correct? What were you What were you thinking about this? What genocide was meaning to you? The genocide after all this over, after I re, um, I gather all the facts, I realized that they try to group people, put a lot of people on their blacklist. And they gather the people that have anything to do with previous government. Mm. Uh, people that uh, uh, have higher education and people that have a lot of money, uh, rich people, wealthy people, and uh, business people. So those are the target. And they, they took them away. They didn't tell us, they didn't kill in front of us, but they took them away. We never, never see them again. And primarily, how were they disposing of these people? What was going, what was happening to them? The, they, they took them in a truck and first they convinced them that, oh, we, we need you help to, to come to the meeting to rebuild our country. But they execute them. They killed them. So majority of these 2 million people that died were were killed execution style? Yes. Uh, about, I would say about more than half of them were executed. And then the rest were, 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 were died die by uh, starvation or exhaustion through the work or disease. Or the way, like, like myself, I was extremely sick. Oh, disease. I, yeah, I was very sick and did not have anything to help me to get better. And I also was very exhausted because I can imagine, was- Sarah, how long did it take you to get to that village 100 miles away? I think a few weeks. A few mm-hmm. weeks of walking and sleeping on the ground. Right. Oh my gosh. So then you finally was the weather. I, I would imagine you were okay from an inclement weather perspective. It, w- it was fairly comfortable in terms of not too cold in the evenings. Yes. 
Okay, yes, so the it, biggest it, concern is is the tropical climate. It's okay. Not- so the real concern was the food and you finally get to you finally get to this place what happens when you get there when i got when we got there we was giving a a place a temporary place to 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 stay with the the existing uh, people that have their home and have room to receive us as a guest temporary until we have a we have a chance to rebuild to build our shelter, but in the meantime, they send us to work in the rice field. And when you're saying they, it was the military saying every day you have to work. Yes. yes. And so, would what would happen? Would they come and? get you in the early morning hours? What what did that look like? What time do you think that they showed up? Well, the the owner of the, the house got up very early and we had to go along with them to work. And was this all day? Was this, yeah. you know, get up at what, sunrise and work 10 hours 12 hours. I mean, how, how long did you have to work in the rice? Yeah, field? we work all day, all day in the heat. Mm. And so how long did that go on for? I cannot hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes. Mm-hmm. How long did, how long, my question was, how long did that go on for? It's only, a, let's see, maybe a couple of weeks before they make an announcement that um, they want to bring some people to go to a different region. So their announcement is that, um, you know, who want to move to Badambong? Badambong is the bigger province that my hometown is located. So I sign up right away because I think, oh, this That's is- That's actually fortunate. You're like, yeah, take me, take me. Yes, yes, I, I, I could not sign fast enough. <laughs> exactly, Sarah, I understand that. So, so you ended up leaving this part of your family and you uh, ended up yeah, getting you, to, you ended up getting to where your, where your family, your mom and your brothers were. And, and what happened when you got there? Well, we, they, they did not take me to where my family is <laughs> they drop us in the middle of nowhere. I was very disappointed. My uncle and my and his wife uh, went along with me because they couldn't bear the thought that let to leave to to get me go by myself. So they move with me. And they're and, and they're two small children. The and, and, and they're nowhere. two small and their two small children were with you too. Yes. Yeah. So you all were traveling again. So here they drop you off, not near your family's home. But but what happened? What did you do at that point? At that point, we start uh, building our shelter. Uh, this is a place that we, we have nothing. So we build our shelter to live. And then a few weeks later, they, was, uh, they make another announcement that they are looking for single people to go and get trained. And I signed up again because I was on the move. I, I, I don't want to get stuck in the middle of nowhere right there. So I keep moving. And you're, my, saying, you're saying that they asked for people to volunteer to get trained? Yeah, because, uh, well, they make it so tempting. They said that this is for single people, single only. That means my uncle and his wife cannot come along with me. What were they? What were they saying? They're going to train you in. Train what to do, how to how to do uh, how to do a business in the rice field. I oh, got it. So they're going to train you so that you can take over running some of these rice fields. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I didn't care too much about the training. I just care about keep moving. So I hope that one of these days I will be able to. Uh, go and look for my family. So, but this time, this time I got stuck. Got stuck in a big camp 
that there was 1,000 people. That's what they want. They want to have 1,000 all single. And that means we are the strongest force that they can push us to work extremely hard. And so what kind of work were they having you do? In the rice field again, but the time, the hours is unbearable. It's like 16 hours a day, seven mm-hmm. days a week in the heat. And, uh, and so and how, then, long, how long were you in this camp with a thousand people? Sorry, I couldn't hear you. You were in this camp for, with a thousand people. How long do you think you were there for? Um, I I was in the camp for an infinite. We we have no no time limit. We don't know. So you're not. Was it, do you think it was months? Was this years? I mean, what do you think? How long were you there? And then what happened? Oh, we we were in this camp for one uh, for four years. Four years. Four, four years. And four that, years. Hold on. Four that, years in this camp. And they were working you 16 hours a day, seven days a week. Yes. And you had no outside knowledge of anything that was going on in Cambodia. No, no, there, there was nothing. There's no TV, no radio, nothing. It was just the same thing every single day. Yes, yes. And, and so within the first few, two, maybe two months or so, a lot of people start to get sick because of the condition. We will starve, exhaust, and then start to get sick. So me too, I got weird. And that's when, And that's when you started to get sick. And so then you had to work while you were sick. Yes. Yeah. And so four years into this, you're... And then, and then what was... What I happened? I keep going until one day I cannot... I cannot do it anymore. When I cannot go to work, then they sent me to another place. Mm-hmm. And that place, they said it's a hospital, but it's not really a hospital. It's the place where all the sick people stay and just waiting for their time because there are no medication or no doctor or anything that help us to get better. Were you thinking that you were being sent away to die? Yeah. Yeah. Because you were that sick and you're now going to a place you can't work anymore because you're that sick. Yeah. And so you're, you're in this place. What happened? What happened with the next? I mean, you're, you're with us. Thank, thank God right now. Right. You're with us. But, but what, what, yeah, when, when I realized it's not really a hospital, when it's not really a hospital, I realized this is the most dangerous place for me to stay mm-hmm. because a lot of people, the other people are very sick and I can get easily get more disease mm. and I need to find my way out. But how, where? If I go back to the working camp, I cannot work. Um, if I Sarah, run away, Sarah, I cannot really you, run away. You I do? was extremely sick. But if I stay there, I will die because I see people die almost every day. Mm. So I was I was pretty much trapped. But this I have a thought. I, I remember when I was young, I I listened to the story that my mom was reading for me. Well, she read for herself, but I love to listen to her. And one story, it showed me that there is God. This God know everything happening on earth, and he he see one bad person abuse the children and the woman, and God sent the angel to come and rescue them. And from that one story, I made up my mind that there is God. So I already believed since I was young that there is God. So well, it was that wonderful. It's wonderful because so this. Badly, it's wonderful. That yeah, it's wonderful that this helped you overcome adversity and you had something bigger than you yeah. to believe in. 
but I need to know you're in this place. You're so sick. What, how did you end up leaving there? How did you end up getting out of there? I cannot hear you. So my question is, how did you end up getting out of this, this sick ward? I, um, I start to pray at nighttime. I had to be careful that nobody see me praying because they don't believe in any religion. They might kill me if, mm-hmm. if they see me pray. So I pray at nighttime. And then finally, and w- one morning when I woke up very early and I realized I have a little bit extra energy. So I decided to walk away from that sick place. So, so did I, you sneak? Did you sneak out? Yes, I did. I did. Mm. So you're very weak. You're sick, but you're you're saying to yourself, "I have to get out of here." You heard a voice that said, "You you need to do this." I have. I feel a little bit better today after I've been praying. And then, and and we're gonna take it. You know what, Sarah? We got to take a quick break. When we get back, we're gonna get into the rest of this story, but also hear about your family. So don't. Don't don't go anywhere. And when we get back, we'll talk about those things. Okay. This episode is brought to you by my very own Labor of Love, my most recent book, Relaunch. This book is a collection of my stories, other stories, and is a motivational guide to living a new 3HQ lifestyle, sparking your heart to ignite your life. It's available for purchase via Amazon. Get ready to try on the 3HQ method that I've been using for years throughout my entire life, reaching the next level in all areas, both professionally and personally. Get your copy today at www.therelaunchbook.com. Hey everyone, I am here with Sarah M and we are talking about the mass genocide in Cambodia and how she was a part of this. Two million people died. She uh, was trying to get through the killing field. She's in the rice paddies. She's or rice fields doing these, the rice and trying to stay alive. She gets sick, has to go to a sick ward and realizes that this is really going to be the end for her unless she gets out and imagine being that sick trying to escape, but she has some, she prays. It ends up that she feels a little bit better one morning and that allows her to sneak out. So Sarah, at this point, you're now on your own. You're not with your family anymore. What's going through your head now? And how do you even know which way to go? Yes, uh, when I sneak out, I I only know that I need to go back to where the working people are. I don't know how how I'm going to do the work, but that's the only place where I know some people. So I went back, and when I got close, I saw one young team leader, and she is a kindest person that I mm-hmm. have known. So she took me in her group and she said, all right, you can stay with me and I will try to find something for you to do. You know, um, in, in the whole camp, we cannot not do anything. We have to do something. So doing the work is the ticket to get the rice, to get the, the food. Mm. So, so she's trying to help me. But when she realized that I'm too sick to do anything and she said, let me go talk to the people in the kitchen. Maybe they can help. So sure, yeah, the people in the kitchen, they say they can use my help. So that was the answer to prayer because <laughs> she sent me to the, the kitchen and I help out and I have more access to food and I work in the shade and I work less hour. So gradually I start to feel better, have more energy. So I know I will survive. Mm, and then, and then yeah. what happens so when, when, is, do you, when do that you, that is a miracle. That when it I is a miracle. That, 
It is that way. I found a place where I can restore my health. So when do you? When did you finally? When were you able to leave? When when were you able to go and find your family? Oh, there's a couple more steps, but to make it short, um, after they they saw me look better, feel better, they pulled me out from the kitchen and throw me back into the rice field. <laughs> so, at the end of four years, the the camp start to move. They move the camp because they know there's something coming. There's something going on. There's some some gun, some uh, some bomb in the far distance. So they move the camp. The, they move it in the direction to the jungle. That against the direction to my hometown. So as soon as I find out that they are moving us into the jungle, I start to plan an escape. I I, I did not want to keep going with them anymore. So um, I decided no matter how dangerous that is, I had to get out. So, um, but in the planning, I gathered three of my close friends and I asked them to, to run away with me. And they all agreed to, to say yes. They said, yes, I'll go with you. So all four of us planned an escape at night in the jungle. So that's how we did it's really so, you, so you plan this great escape and it actually works. It and, works. <laughs> and and now you're in the jungle. Yeah. And and are you thinking like okay, now what? Like what do you do? I'm in the jungle now. I've just, you know, I've just been able to escape this horrible camp. What was what was happening? What was going through your head and where what was your next step? Well, um I didn't hear part of your question, but my next, next step was that we keep uh, we keep pursuing our escape plan, and we made it out. Um, we did not get lost in the jungle. Thank goodness. I don't know how it could happen. How did we not getting lost? How did we not getting spot and get killed? But I think maybe God protected us. But mm. anyway, anyway, when the when the morning come, we saw the sun sunrise. And we did not see those people. And we know that we were free. We are so excited. And so at that point, you knew you had to go find your family. Now I cannot hear you again. Sorry. (laughs) You know what? This only makes it more suspenseful. So at that point, you went to find your family and you didn't know if they were alive or if they were dead. That's correct. Yes. So how did you find them? Were they alive? I, when I saw some people walking, I asked for direction to go to my hometown. And we keep walking for a long walk, a few more weeks. And then finally, when I got to my hometown, my home was destroyed. And my family was not around there. But I tracked down. And finally, finally, I found them. And they are all alive. It's to my happy surprise. And I'm so grateful. But even your, even on, your mom. Even yes, your, e, oh. yes, even my mom. My mom, um, I found out that she had another stroke during this time. Mm. So, um, but, but it it was the happiest time I ever experienced because for four years, that was my dream is to come back to see them. Now, I know that there is heartbreak to the story. So tell us and share with us what happened to the other members of your family. The other member. Hmm. What happened to your uncle? Oh, Yes, my uncle, he loved me so much that he will bring his whole family to go on a journey with me, but it, he did not make it. We, we lost him, and I just cannot, cannot stop thinking of him. Hmm. But the kids are still alive. 
the kids are still alive and they live in the, in the capital city. And we just reconnected for, for more than 30 years. We didn't hear from each other. Mm. I, just, I just reconnected with them. So when all of this, you know, you're now back together with your family, did, was there an ending to the to what was going on in Cambodia? And what was the ending that allowed for this to finally be done? This nightmare, how did the nightmare end for you? The nightmare end when my mom encouraged me to escape out of Cambodia. Um, because I was the single woman and I was subject to be a victim. So she didn't want me to stay. And she said, you know, you, you need to go, honey. And uh, so that's what I did. I escaped out of Cambodia. And that time, Cambodia was still chaotic. There was no place that I can buy the airplane ticket and get the passport or anything like that. There's nothing. So we had to do our own way. So I had to escape across the border, cross the jungle again to go to Thailand. And I found a refugee camp that was uh, organized by United Nations. And Sarah, how long was this after you'd just been reacquainted with your family? Did you end up having, based on your mom saying, you got to get out of here? It's, a little more than a year. Oh my gosh. So just really, it's been less than a year or a little more than a year. And all of a sudden your mom's like, it's time for you to go again. And you're like, Oh, yes. I didn't want to go. I cry all night long. And my eye was like, like swollen. It's said, no, no. <laughs> Sarah, of course. I mean, my gosh, this, you know, and I, I'm even as I heard it, you know, here you go again. You know, you got to get back in the jungle. You got, you didn't have a plane ticket out. You had to yes. escape again, yet yes, again. Yes. And, and this, this time. The word though, that, that um, calmed me down was this. She said, honey, when you make it out and you, you do better, you will come back and help us. So that's a beautiful thing. You'll come back and you'll help us. So you had a mission and you had a direction that you were taking so that bring yeah. something better back for us. Sarah, I got to tell you, this journey that you just took us on, the multiple relaunches, you are, it's, when I first heard your story, I'm like, I need to have you on the radio. I need you to you know, help us share your story with people in our relaunch community People need to hear this through the podcast. They need to hear this and understand that. How would you define this ability to keep going? What would you tell people if they're like down and out? What what encouraging words would you give them? There's a core value. The the value for me is my purpose. My purpose is my family. It's, it's easy to see that, but the love of the family, the love and the faith that I have that strong faith that I'm going to make it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make it out that God is, will be with me. And, and the home, I never give up hope. Wherever the direction that I need to do, I have my strong hope that I will, I will be there. <laughs> so uh, hope, love, and a family that together it's very, very powerful. Mm, and Sarah, how can people, if they want to get in touch with you and be connected, where can they go? Sorry, I couldn't hear you. Where can people find more out about you? Um, they can find me on my website, sarahm.com. It's spelled S-A-R-A-I-M.com. They can also find me on LinkedIn, just Sarah M. That's speaker, that's author. And I also, yeah. (laughs) Well, and we know that they can also pick up your book, How I Survived the Killing Field. Sarah, thank you so Uh, much for being here today. What a story. 
I mean, you are such an inspiration and I have thoroughly enjoyed hearing this this tale of your of your journey and you've inspired me so much. So thank you and I love your core values with family, hope, love. So everyone, we are so excited because next week I have a gentleman his name is J- Dave Austin. He is an international best-selling author. You will for sure have heard about the books that he has written. He is a lecturer at Harvard, the United Nation, U.S. Pentagon, but more importantly, he is a he is a man of integrity. He has the most incredible journey that we're going to talk about. He's an elite performance coach. I had the privilege of being with him for three days and hearing all about like, you know, how he does this with people. And we're going to share that with you. So you're not going to want to miss this again. When you hear these relaunch stories, they are here to allow you to know that there's always a silver lining. There's always a way to get through literally every situation and using whether it's the three HQ getting out of your head into your heart, tapping in, you heard to that higher self. That's where relaunch helps you. So go visit therelaunchco.com, get involved in one of our courses and live now, love now, relaunch now. See you next week. You've just heard another episode of the Relaunch Podcast. If something shared in this episode resonated with you, please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review and share this episode with others to inspire them to take the small steps that lead to a life full of purpose and possibility. And remember, you can have immediate access to the show notes and any giveaways at therelaunchco.com backslash podcast. Until next week, now is your time to relaunch your transition into a transformation.